Uh, there's two very short readings this morning. The first one comes from uh, Matthew 18, and it's from 18 to 20. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. The second reading comes from 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 8 to 9. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Amen. And um, so as David comes up in a moment, he's going to be reflecting um, from the Amplified Version. And so if, you're like, uh, if you'd like to access that, um, that's been preloaded for you, those, those scriptures and some others in your uh, Bible app. Um, so if you don't know how to do that, it's the Version Bible app. Click down the bottom where it says more, click on events and you'll find uh, this morning's uh, notes in there, including those readings in the Amplified uh, Version. Um, so I'm going to invite David up now. Um, to, to join us and Eve, if you, if you can come when uh, you choose to come and if that's right now, come on up. Um, <clears throat> so some of us, this will be the first time we've met Dave and Eve. For some of us, this is um, a continuation of a journey. For some of us, we met David on day one uh, of his life. Uh, so David is Laurie's father, uh, Laurie's son. Um, yeah, you just, the, the fountain of youth. No. A lot of smacking to catch uh, on. Yes. <laughs> David is Laurie's uh, son and Leslie's brother. Um, and so I, I'm going to pray for you guys and thank the Lord for your presence here this morning and then I'll, I'll hand it over to you to minister to us. And, and so come in here, Eve, so I can pray to my left. Yeah. So Father, we thank you for, for David and Eve. We thank you for uh, the, the family connection we have biologically with Laurie as part of our church family and Leslie and, and Steve and... Um, but also we thank you for family, as Deb coined that phrase a while ago in our church, family beyond biology. Thank you, so we thank you for what you've woven together in the spiritual um, with, with our church and the hive uh, that David and Eve serve leading. And um, we thank you for their, their coming to serve and minister to us this morning. So we pray, I pray for them that you would work mightily through them. But beyond that, I pray for us that we'd be ready to receive this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah. Thank you, Nick. Hey, well, if I'm Laurie's father, <laughs> even if I've got to have five minutes to be his father, that would help me to catch up on all that smacking that I received <laughs> incorrectly, obviously. So. <laughs> but, um, but hey, it's, it's great to be here. And um, just on the way into what I'm going to share, Evie, my wife, is going to, to just share something on her heart, which is going to be awesome, I know. So over to you, babe. Well, I was just saying, it's great to be here. It's so good to be here. We love you. The Hive loves you. They haven't met you, but uh, they've met Nick and Daniel. And um, it's been a great connection. And they're all praying for us today. Um, it's so good. Um, so I was asking the Holy Spirit, do you want me to say something? And at any rate, he says, yes, please. Will you tell the yes community that I am faithful? I don't know whether it's for one person or um, a lot of people, 
But he is faithful. It doesn't matter what's in your world. Whether it's going gung-ho, it's fantastic, you're, you're really up there. Or whether there are some things that you are so challenged about and you so question, God, where are you? Where are you? Well, the verse that came into my head was in Lamentations. And it's Jeremiah. I'm not going to go into great history about Jeremiah. But he was very downhearted. He'd lost hope. There was nowhere to worship. He lost hope. And, um, and, he ha- and it says in verse tw- uh, 21, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. So he had to recall the faithfulness of God. So you've got to tell your mind. Don't rely on what you're feeling, what your circumstances are. You've got to go and say, mind, get into alignment with what my God says. And he says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Even if you read that over every day. Great is your faithfulness, God. I'm going to tell my mind. I'm going to tell my body. I'm going to tell my soul and my spirit. You are faithful. There's things in my world that I cry out to God for, for my kids. But I am believing that he is faithful. He is so faithful. And um, I want to, testimonies are powerful. And I think you get this magazine, but I was so touched by this story. And because we're in a bit of rural, I thought um, you might connect to this. And I'm not, and I'd connected to it. In a drought-ravaged paddock in central west New South Wales, 37-year-old farmer Jared Amory is witnessing a miracle. Now, you know he's got a few troubles, don't you? He's only got dust for all his paddocks. There's no rain. It's desperate. And he says, I'm witness, witnessing a miracle. A luscious crop of green canola plants is bursting through the dry, dusty ground in which seeds were planted just over four weeks ago. It's the only such crop in the local area. We were standing out there last night and thinking, this is a miracle. This guy, he's saying, it's a miracle. Oh, I thought it was amazing. I'm just so excited about this, he laughs. Incredulous. It's unbelievable. Amazing. Just incredible. Come on, are you catching it? He's telling his mind. But it wasn't just then. It was before then. What even more remarkable is the supernatural way this crop became in, came into being. He lives on a 6,500 hectare farm, 27 kilometres outside the town of Forbes with his wife, Emma and their six children, five girls and a little bubba boy. Um, what? I've lost my place. This might sound a bit unusual. Let me see. This might sound a bit unusual, but I said to God, I want to be more of a supernatural farmer. Come on. Do you want to do your farming of life supernaturally? I do, even when it doesn't look like it. Right? I want to be, um, I want to do things that are just out there, not to be big noting my name, but to show people that God is so real and He is so incredible. I'm begging you, please. He says, please pray for rain. We need rain. Um, six weeks ago, I had this dream. I've never had anything like this happen before. I had this dream of this crop of canola and it looks unbelievable. I could see where. In the dream, I could see where it was. I knew which paddock on my farm it was. 
um, I was telling my wife about this and I was thinking about it and I decided that it was God put it in my mind so we went out and we bought canola seeds and it cost $36,000 now if you're a farmer you understand those sort of dollars sounds a heck of a lot for me and we sowed into the dry dirt we just sowed in faith you know God this could turn really bad if you don't do something about this he had sincerely this is one of the things that I'm learning about this drought is just to trust God and have faith We serve an extraordinary God who wants to do extraordinary things. He's a fifth-generation farmer who has had to work his butt off to purchase the farm he's got. He does barley, sheep, canola. I'm super passionate about the country, noting that the life on the land is really, really good for teaching his kids. And, And it goes on. I just want you to know that we don't rely on what we see. I don't know what's in your world. It's probably not a canola paddock. But it will be something. It will be your children. It will be a marriage. It will be relationships that need to be restored. It may be your workplace. You may be out of work. Whatever it is, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, tell them, great is my faithfulness. Oh, Lord, my Father, great is my faithfulness. Great is my faithfulness. That's what it is. That's what I think he wants you to hear. Thanks, Eve. That was so good. Hey, well, thank you, Nick and uh, Christy, for the, for the invite. It's, um, it's really good to be here. We feel like this is like our second home. Don't know where that came from. And um, Thanks, Nick. And um, we love the cafe, cafe life here. One of the... <laughs> One of the best cafes in the known cafes in the Southern Hemisphere, I reckon, Trader and Co. And um, so it's an honour to come. I I never, I always want to value the opportunity to share God's word. So so thank you. Um, I want to honour my dad as well, and um, love him very much. I want to thank you as a church for looking after him and my sister Les. Um, I actually deserved a lot of smacking when I was growing up. I mean, the, truthfully, I put one of my brothers through a through our lounge room window. <laughs> Actually, it was a window belonging to some, some of our best friends who I don't know if they remained friends after that. That, that was Graham. Another brother, I permanently damaged his fingernail with a tomahawk. And, I was <laughs> and another brother, I broke his arm. So I think Leslie was the only one who kind of was unscathed in, <laughs> in the family history. So I don't know how that happened. But, um, but was, she was a girl. We had to look after her. But it's great to be here. And... Um, it's on my heart to share a message today, which I've called um, In the Midst, um, when gathering releases presence. In the midst, M-I-D-S-T, in case you think I'm talking about in the midst. In, in the midst, gorillas. So Father, I just ask you now, in the name of Jesus, that you would come upon your word. Father, I know that it is completely in your heart that um, when your word is released, Holy Spirit, we know you come upon the word and we know that you put life into it. We know that you actually breathe upon it. And that's what I believe for you to do in these next few minutes. And um, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wonder today whether um, perhaps we have 
if you like, a revelation. That's maybe a word from our church culture, but like an understanding for what it is we actually belong to today. What, what it is we belong to. It started with 12 disciples and, um, as you know, it actually became 11 at one point in the story. And then roughly when Jesus was crucified, there were 200 apparently who were followers of Jesus at his execution. Very obscure and um, kind of fragile sect or um, beginning of a religion, however you would want to classify it. And by AD 40... According to historians, there were 1,000 followers. But from AD 40 to AD 350, the number grew from 1,000 to, to 30 million. 1,000 to 30 million in, in, in really what was a short period of time in the history of our, um, of our world. And some say at that particular time, 53% of the world population were converted. 53%. A phenomenal and staggering social phenomenon that, according to one um, academic who is a reputable um, sociologist, Philip Stark, he said the growth of the early church is arguably the most remarkable movement in history. I, I wonder what it is that... Um, was part of that and drove that and, and, and indeed what it is today that we still belong to and, and how we can rejoin or freshly grab a vision for this wonderful phenomenon called the church. Because that, that's who we are. That, that's, that's why even I love... It's, it's no hardship to jump on the highway for a few hours and just come and, and be with you guys because we're family, right? Um, we, we, um, I mean, we may have, you know... Um, different things happening in Sydney. Predominantly, we have traffic. <laughs> I'm sure you don't miss that. Anybody here from Sydney at one point in your in your story? And uh, quite a few of you. I've learnt today that um, I'm, I'm conspicuously not a local because I came in with a coat and uh, Peter Randall <laughs> just had short sleeves on. <laughs> I was thinking, what is this? But. Um, we belong together, right? We, we are, we are, we, we're family and um, we love being here. And, and I, just, I have in my heart today to, um, to just communicate something that God's put on my heart and, and I'm just trusting him that he'll weave it around other things that um, Pastor Nick and others have been teaching you guys about. But I, I have in my heart for us to understand that there's a, I, I believe, an un... Um, I'll start again. There is such a link that is, I was going to say, incontrovertible. I believe it's provable in Scripture. I'm going to try to show it to you. Between how it is that we relate and the intensity of the presence of God that is in our midst. How it is that we relate and the intensity of the presence of God that is in our midst. I have it on my heart to say to you today that if we come here today and we do not do so on the platform of genuine heart relationships, then all we're going to have is a meeting. If we come here today with that relationship, then all we will experience is a meeting. If we come here today with relationship and heart-formed relationship, relationship that is formed out of the reality that Jesus is our saviour and the Holy Spirit lives within us and we actually share the common life of God in our hearts, then 
we'll actually experience presence and we'll experience something that is wonderful. And um, I, that's, that's kind of where we're going, that, um, that in the midst, this space um, is not a gathering unless we have relationship. We can call it a gathering, but unless we actually have heart-formed relationship, it is not a gathering, it's a meeting. But with the presence of God in us and a shared presence and with an intensity, a commitment to join in our hearts and to invest in a relationship and paying a price, sometimes taking risk, giving, serving, loving, all those things. And I believe that you're hearing about the one another truths of relationships. I'm not going to talk a lot about that. But um, today I'm just so struck by the fact that there was a relationship revolution that was unleashed at the beginning of the early church. There was nothing ever known or seen like that before. And, um, and there's only really one way, I think, to explain um, how it was that um, the early church went from that fragile group of scared individuals who, who, you know, predominantly at the time of the cross and at the time, you know, you know Peter's story, he was just scared witless by the whole thing that was going on. I would be too. I think, I think, I think Peter would have been a brave man compared to how I would have been, honestly. But, but Peter was that man who, who Jesus um, actually challenged and said, Peter, do you love me? And you probably know that story, that um, Peter actually um, could not handle the word that Jesus was using when he said love. It was the word agape. And, um, and Peter, in his heart, could not actually acknowledge that he had a deep intensity of love and devotion for his saviour. Um, the only way he could actually answer was to say, you know I have, and he used the word phileo, which is the word affection for you. You know I like you, Jesus. <laughs> um, but then that same Peter, on the day of Pentecost, um, stood up and declared, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. That same Peter, in his writings, about 14 times, uses the word agape. Um, that same man went from being a man who was scared of relationship to a man who was an advocate for it. And that's what I believe releases presence. So here we go. Um, a new phenomenon, a relationship revolution. The, the early church, Acts chapter 2, it says they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They de- there was something going on in the dynamic of the relationships that created an intensity of presence. Now, something that has confused me, and I'm just going to open this up a little bit in the discussion, is, is this thought, well, I thought we have the presence of God all the time, right? The, the, the word of the Lord says, um, you know, I will never leave you nor forsake you, you know, and that, that reality that it's true, God's presence, the essential presence of God is actually always here. But there's a difference in scripture, there's a difference in how um, some uh, theologians interpret presence to differentiate between the essential presence of God and the cultivated presence of God. That is to say that essentially, in essence, God is here, right? We know that. And, and, and in the kind of deadest, I'm not talking about you guys but we've all been there in other churches, probably in Sydney, right? Let's talk about Sydney. In the, in the deadest, um, kind of driest meeting of um, believers that you might have ever been in, in some, somewhere back in distant past before you discovered, yes, Community Baptist Church, that um, in the deadest, driest, dullest, most boring gathering of believers, um, God's presence is still there. He promises that. 
However, we've also known that there can be like a, a variation, true, and then there can be some times when we can be in a space where God's people are and we think, wow, I can so feel God's presence. That, that, that is a consequence of the cultivated presence of God. So today I want to let you know that as individuals here in this space, whether you feel like this is your regular family or whether you're visiting or whether you're kind of making up your mind, that there is a correlation between how you relate and the presence of God. There's a correlation between how you love and the presence of God. And you can cultivate the presence of God by cultivating God-formed relationships. Are you with me? Are we okay? So um, you may know that uh, there are different versions of the gospel. I'm going to quote to you the gospel of urban Sydney. All right? It goes like this. It's kind of like a rewrite of Acts chapter 2. Every believer was faithfully following the Instagram account of their favourite influencer. Their lives were digitally linked to one another. They were sharing virtual communion and they were FaceTiming occasionally with each other to keep relationship alive. They FaceTimed for prayer and there was a profound sense of busyness that swept over everyone. And the leaders performed the majority of the ministry activities and they wondered how they could make it to the end of the week. All the believers found fellowship detracted from lifestyle and they shared with one another whatever was left over from their conspicuous consumption. And out of acquisitional necessity, they even sold their assets at the peak of the market to demonstrate to those in need around them that God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> now, now, you would know that is dramatically polar opposite to how the early church lived. You would know that in the early church, the Bible says that none had need, and they sold their assets and their houses, some sort of property, so that others would have their needs met. You would know that they were devoted to one another. You would know that they met daily, the word of the Lord says. Um, not necessarily in spaces like this, but it would have included bigger spaces, but they met daily in homes and they got around tables and they, and they shared and they carried burdens together. You would know that, um, again, I'm talking about Sydney, right? Because that's where we're from. So, um, but you would know there often is a gap, true, between the reality of what took place then and what it is that it looks like now. But I'm here today to let you know that I believe God is stirring and moving and wanting to create a wonderful thing that is a phenomenon in our church world. I want you to know that um, this kind of love is different to the love that we're also exhorted to walk in, which is to love our enemies. I want you to know that enemy love is different to agape love. Enemy love is different to community love. It's not that I'm saying don't love your enemies and, and there's many phenomenal testimonies and there's stories like Corrie Ten Boone and, and many that you've come across and maybe even some of you in your own arena have actually know what it's like to love someone um, who actually, in a sense, does not deserve your love for what they've done. And, and, and I celebrate God and I celebrate his work in you if that's you. But I'm talking today about a different thing because when Jesus said that they will know you are my followers by how you love, it's actually by how you love one another. Do you follow? It's how you love one another. Now, there's still a testimony when we love our enemies, but there is a profound 
testimony for how we love one another. So that's where we're going today for a few minutes. So, um, firstly to say, I, I feel, and I'm, I'm borrowing a few points from, from a, uh, a pastor in New York City who, 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 who kind of is descriptive of the New York City environment, but I think it's true for here as well. Um, we live in, an inv- in a time and a day which is almost like the perfect storm for the testimony and the power of the love that Christians have one for another to, to be released. We, we live in a day of loneliness. Um, it may not be true in this country, town environment, but where we're from, it's high-density living, there's home units, there's so much scarcity of property, there's, there's so much sharing of property that goes on. So many people who, who sublet off someone and they, and, they, and they might end up with a small one-bedroom in a two-bedroom unit that is their house. Um, we have homeless people in our congregation. Um, that's, it, we're not unique in that. But, but here's the thing. Loneliness, I believe, is, um, is really the need of the hour that the Holy Spirit can move on for how we can actually be the church to each other. Loneliness. I might be talking to somebody who feels lonely. You can be at a meeting and be lonely. You can be in a gathering of God's people and loneliness will be ministered to. That's the difference. Um, narcissism. It's the fascination with my own image on my screen. <laughs> narcissism. It's the perfect storm for, um, for us as the church to be the community. Time scarcity. Uh, are we the only ones in big cities who end up with time scarcity? But time scarcity is the enemy of intimacy. And there's an invitation today for all of us to do something about that. Time scarcity is a robber of presence, therefore. Um, stimulation overload, device overload. I mean, these days, it's kind of a rare thing if you only have one device at your house, right? Or it's, it's kind of normal to have two or three on the go at any given time. Um, these are all things that are completely um, a wonderful opportunity for the church to be the church and for us to be relational. However, the thing that I believe is, is the phenomenon um, is the invitation in Scripture to know the love of Jesus. I'm going to read from Ephesians, and I want to thank Carl. Carl's done his best shot at working with my notes, but it's probably going to come out a bit different. So if you're following something on your phone, um, you will understand if maybe it's not a replica of what I'm talking about. But, but, but here is almost like the heart of my message. Thanks whoever did the readings. Are you still here? Yeah, thank you. Um, next time I'll have longer readings, right? <laughs> Sounds like it was a bit too short. But um, Matthew, which, which is what um, I've forgotten, Kirsty, what Kirsty read from. Thanks, Kirsty. Matthew 18 is actually, um, and I've really only focused on one little part of that verse. It says, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. Matthew 18 is a long teaching about relationship, actually. It begins with a whole thing about, um, about envy and strife and, and ambition and, and, and how can I be the greatest in the kingdom. <laughs> so Jesus goes to that. It, it then, then gets to this thing about forgiveness and how many times do I need to forgive that I can actually you know, be a forgiver. And Jesus says, well, hey, it's 70 times 7. There's a whole dialogue about relationship. And then it comes to this 
opportunity where there is relationship and where there is unity to be effective prayers and to go into warfare against um, the spiritual realm and to bind and to loose and to have prayers of agreement. And there's so much in that that's not really the theme of, of my message. But, um, but then, then we get to this truth in Ephesians where Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3 that he says um, that in, in verse 18... Um, he, he says that you would know. Let me just catch up on myself. I'm in Romans 3. Just completely diverting. I, I just want to encourage Bree. That was awesome what you shared. And, and where's Mel? Are you still sitting here somewhere? Um, I, I, I want to say today that um, I love the reality of this, really, this truth. God pours out his spirit on all flesh. There's no, dis- there's no discrimination. There's no dis- differentiation between male, female, young and old. He promises that the old will see dreams, young will see visions. And so I actually believe God's stirring on the young women of this church. And, and, and I salute that and, and believe in faith that perhaps even the next move, what the Holy Spirit will do, will come through your generation and through your gender and I just encourage you to keep on pressing in to what God's doing. Be bold, and it's wonderful. Praise him, mate. Thank you, Lord. But, but Ephesians 3, um, it says this, and I'm in, I'm in verse, um, verse 18, that, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, that you would know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, some of you are probably familiar with these scriptures, but here's what I felt the angle that God has given me in the last couple of days as I've been on this theme about relationship and about God manifesting who he is in the presence of his people who are vested in intimate, heart-joined relationships, that part of how we know the love of God comes from experiencing the love of God in a community. Part of how we know the depth, the width, the height, the length, all those things that are actually love without limit, right? Part of how we get to know that is experientially. Yes, we get to know it in our own hearts. I'm not overlooking you, Abraham. I love your bass playing, man. Keep on going. Um, That's just a, just a thing, because I, I, I think you know God's love. But... Um, but I put it to you today that um, the Lord is wanting to invite us all into knowing his love. Now, now Paul describes this contradiction, that it surpasses knowledge, but he also prays that we would know it. How does that work? I, I feel it's like this, that we cannot quantify, you could not find a Wikipedia definition for the love of God. You, you certainly could not create an algorithm to, um, to define God's love. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, and, and scientifically, there is no explanation, just as no, there's no explanation for canola crop, there's no explanation for why it is in this community, in this church space, that people of diverse backgrounds and different ages and genders and everything else could come together and be one. However, it is a truth that it can happen and the only way it does happen is because it's supernatural and because it's birthed by the Spirit and it actually comes out of what only God can do. But it is knowable. 
because we can experience it. There's a difference between knowing something in our head and experiencing in our heart. <laughs> and I believe today there's an invitation to this community that we would know. Now, here's my challenge, and this is really kind of where Eve and I are at a bit in our own space at the Hive Church and in our own family space too, truthfully, where um, the, the challenge of continuing as a follower of Jesus is that we will come to many places along the road where there's um, an invitation to keep going or there's a risk of what happens if, and I feel like pulling back. And, and, I, and, and, and we're learning and we believe in God saying to us, I want you to go deeper in your love. And, 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 and I would have thought maybe like, wow, God, I'm pretty deep now. <laughs> but then along comes a situation or a circumstance and, and the Holy Spirit prompts me to keep loving and go deeper and don't stop at what was once your limit because I'm a no-limit God. Or I might think I'm running out of energy. I'm running out of capacity. God, how can I love one more person? But he wants me to know, David, we're inviting you into a, a wide love because that's my love. And, and so I'm feeling the invitation in my heart to give to you from the Holy Spirit that in this space, um, God wants you to know his love. And his love is knowable. His love is knowable when someone follows you out the door from here this afternoon and, and says, hey, I've been praying for you. Or maybe puts $50 in your pocket and says, hey, the Lord said to me to give this to you. Or, or, or maybe this afternoon, who knows what will happen but I'm releasing it now in Jesus' name. <laughs> maybe there'll be invitations and things going on and maybe around this community, there'll, there'll be those of you who normally have lunch by yourself and you'll open your front door and within two minutes, someone will drive in and say, hey, the Lord said, I bought a pizza, right? That's, that's the knowable love of God. Maybe there's going to be situations where um, someone will actually ring you up and, and I think this kind of stuff's coming from you two girls where, where there'll be like a sense of, I've been praying and there's a prophetic word and this is what I feel God's put in my heart to share with you. Or maybe there's going to be healings. I don't know, but let's get ready to know more. Because what we once knew is a ceiling. Do you follow me? <laughs> once, we, once we once knew, um, God wants to redefine and extend and increase and make bigger. Because that's the nature of being a Jesus follower. It cannot be any other way. So, so there is a new understanding of believe God wants to release. And if I can find the right page in my notes. But fundamentally, I'm talking about the essence of who God is, um, just in my own kind of language, because I muck around with terminology and language, this is like the God factor. This is the oneness factor. Oneness is a complete phenomenon that's, that begins and originates in who God is, that three can be one, that three defer to one another, that three actually surrender to one another. Oneness is the, um, is the genesis place for agape love. But oneness is the relational essence of God. And, and I feel like today, just kind of prophesying, behold, yes has never seen this before. Behold. Imagine if yes was the place where people would know this is a town where the oneness of God has redefined the culture. You know the most powerful words, I believe, in understanding culture? Culture is the way that things are. Culture is the way that it is. Um, culture is what you experience as an inevitability of being in a place without actually knowing necessarily what caused it. But culture is the way it is. 
What does the Bible say in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. So the way that it is in heaven is the way that God wants us to create culture on earth. Because that is our defining um, benchmark for how things are. How are things in heaven? Heaven is about oneness. <laughs> heaven is about this beautiful quality of oneness. And the interaction and the joining of heaven and earth is actually, I feel like saying today, I'm, I'm saying it right, behold, in this town there is a tabernacling, there is an Emmanueling of he who is with us and he who is within us. And this has not been done before. This is newsworthy. This is the gospel. He is in the midst of his people. It's possible to gather without oneness, but like I said, it's just a meeting if that happens. It's not a gathering if there is no I am in the midst. We know him and the extent of his no limits love when we experience lived out love in community. And being a Jesus follower, my conviction is it's a plurality. It's been drawn together, it's been into his name, and it's experiencing him in the midst. It's, let's call it Ness, right? Gathering requires Ness. It's like this essence of God. It's the Nessness. It's the, like if you can somehow dilute and get into an understanding of who God is and for what it is we want to have here. And who God is is oneness. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's completely incredible. Oneness is the origin of agape. So the New Testament church actually needed to find a new word to describe how it is they were meant to love. Because agape love and, and this type of love did not exist in the Old Testament. It did not exist before the cross and it could not be lived out until after Pentecost. But agape is a love phenomenon. It is a no-limit love. Agape is, is, is this word that simply means um, an unconquerable benevolence, an undefeatable goodwill, a love by choice, a love that always seeks the highest good of the other person no matter what he or she does. Agape love is complete devotion love. Agape love is John 3.16 love. For God so loved. That's agape love. Agape love is, according to Romans 5 verse 5, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That is agape love. Um, that is agape love. That's the miracle that Jesus and the Holy Spirit did in Peter because Peter didn't know how to agape love his own saviour, let alone to love agape for people. But the miracle of agape love came when the Holy Spirit came upon Peter. Um, phileo love is different. It's to be fond of. It's to care for affectionately. It's about personal attachment. It's about love by chance. It's about emotion, not will. Agape love is love by choice. How wonderful. That's what we're invited into. Love by choice. Not because you look like me. Not because I kind of... Um, feel good around you it's it's love by choice and that is the new word that belongs exclusively to us the christian community it's impossible to live agape love without the power of the holy spirit within us so a, a new understanding it's possible to know the love of god a new kind of love agape love 
a new calling. Discipleship um, can mean many things, but, but fundamentally it must include the call to love one another. John 13, you know the scripture, by this all men will know you are my disciples. Um, we're going to finish simply with what I've come to realise in recent years is really what I believe Pentecost was all about. It actually was to release a new power into the church, into the gathered people of God, that they could actually carry his presence because of how they loved. It was an empowerment and enablement to love. Um, It was impossible to ever be that community. Um, In the old days, Old Testament, you needed to be born genetically as a Jew to be the people of God. Um, The tabernacle, once upon a time, the train filled the temple, Isaiah chapter 6, the manifest presence of God came into that space. But now it's different. (laughs) God is actually creating a people of God, um, defined not by their genetics, not by whether they're Jew or Gentile, but simply by who's in their heart, the reigning power of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then Pentecost, what is it about? Some people get caught up, and I certainly have done in my time, with, you know, with focusing on other aspects of Pentecost, be that tongues or, or, or be that fire, and, and all those things um, still, I believe, actually happened. But that was not the point. <laughs> I believe the point of Pentecost was actually to provide an enablement, a supernatural ability, a capacity that could not exist without the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, that we could become the people of God. We could love like God loves. We could carry the nestness, the oneness of God. How, how wonderful. Uh, uh, going from being unable to being enabled. I believe that's what Pentecost is actually about. Um, it, if you like, is a grace to be who we're called to be. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. And um, Nick's been very gracious. Speaking of grace... <laughs> That um, you know, when when um, back in the days of the Nathan family, we uh, lived in Adelaide, and my father's father lived in Sydney. So we had many long interstate trips <laughs> from Adelaide to Sydney and back. And um, back in the days of Holden station wagons, when cars were cars. <laughs> Meatballs and, sorry, meat pies and kangaroos and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, the thing that we used to say to Dad and Mum, Mum and Dad, are we there yet? (laughs) Are we there yet? (laughs) I mean, that'd have to be probably the most common words that all of you as parents would have um, been familiar with. But I feel like there's an answer to the question that maybe you're asking. um, Are we there yet? Are we there yet as the church? Are we there yet as the people of God? Are we there yet to what God is doing around the globe? Are we there yet for what we long for, for Jesus' return? Are we there yet? And, and I feel the answer to that right now is, no, we're not. Because Ephesians 5 says that Jesus is coming back for a church that is without spot, wrinkle and I mean you guys look pretty wrinkle free so. <laughs> just pardon my kind of humor here but you know I was chatting to a mate yesterday the other day who, who's who uh, who visited Ireland he said to me David in Ireland there's still a wall in Belfast that separates the Catholic Church from 
the Protestant church. Are we there yet? I would say, categorically, we're not there yet. What Jesus is about and what he is achieving through the power of the Holy Spirit as oneness is released across the church of Jesus Christ is oneness. What Jesus is about is breaking down those barriers. You might say, David, well, there's no wall in yes and there's no division in yes. I want to ask you, when was the last time you had somebody around in your house for, from a different church? Um, when was the last time, or would you even be able to number on your um, friends list or on Facebook or whatever it is, <laughs> like pe- people you are connected to outside of this body? Because I believe the answer to are we there yet is we'll be there when we have close relationships in the body of Christ. I believe the revival that we long for and pray for and believe for will occur when we truly are one, when truly the nestness of God, who he is, is um, released across the whole body, the whole city. And, 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 and I actually feel in my heart, and, and this is how even I pray, this is how our Hive Church prays for you guys. We believe that Yas could even be the template for what God would do in our nation. You guys are both small enough and big enough big enough in your hearts and, and small enough in terms of an actual geographical space for there to be a significant impact out of a release of oneness in your town. Um, it all begins with how you love here. It all begins with, with how much you're going to love when you go home this afternoon. It begins with a release in your heart to, to actually explore with uh, whoever you live with at home. How can I actually bring more of the love of God into this community? Um, I mean, just, just imagine... The wonder of that. Just imagine the tipping point that could occur just from one miracle or, or someone like Mel who's prepared to pick up a guitar and play for the first time. I don't know what it is, but I believe God wants to take us all further into a no-limit love. And that's what I'm going to pray now as, um, as I hand back to, to Nick. So I'd like you to stand. And I'm simply going to pray a blessing over, over this community um, this, this local church community and I'm going to release a blessing over this, over this town today and I encourage you if, it, if it's in your heart to um, experience and to know the love that the Apostle Paul prayed for you to, for you to know and if it's in your heart today that you would be able to um, experience a greater measure of the intensity of the presence of God. If it's in your heart, if you have a longing in your heart, that you would actually see the manifest presence of God revealed in in this community, then I encourage you to open up literally your heart and perhaps even your hands right now as I pray. It's simply a way of aligning your body with the desires of your heart. And there's other ways to do that, but it kind of works for me. Um, it, It actually is expressing to God an expectation that heaven would come to earth in this moment. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, I give you thanks. God, without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, without our loving Heavenly Father, we would not be here today. We would have no claim to even come into this building. We'd have no claim of belonging. But today, because of Jesus, we give you thanks, Jesus, for your wonderful sacrifice. We thank you for being the agape pioneer of the faith. We thank you, Jesus, for creating a whole new way that we can live and love. And in the name of Jesus, I pronounce a blessing over this people right here in this building today. And in Jesus' mighty name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
God, I release a mighty grace for community. God, I release a mighty grace, an enablement from the Holy Spirit to agape love in this place. In this community, I prophesy a testimony of oneness that will be uncontainable within this building space. God, I prophesy that there would be an epidemic of the best possible kind that would just break out across this entire township. A mighty grace, a mighty work of the Holy Spirit that would be a relational grace, something that defies or does not even get in the way of any kind of theological definition or nothing like that because there would be a testimony and people would know, people would know that the love of God is in this place by how this community loves one another. So God, I give you praise right now. This is your work. God, this is by your grace. Holy Spirit, this is by your power. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we just welcome what it is that is in your heart to do. And we thank you and we give you mighty praise. And everybody said, Amen. 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 If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love for you to become a part of the Aspaptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.